Ephesians, please, in chapter number 4. We're going to look at the fourth chapter. Now, I was studying for our Sunday, not for our uh, Bible study yesterday. And uh, while I was studying for the Bible study, and why I wasn't studying for it yesterday, but for studying for it Friday, God gave me this Sunday school lesson while I was studying. And actually, I wasn't even in this chapter. God dealt with my heart, and I went over and looked at it, and here it is. So we want to talk about this this morning. Our Sunday school, uh, our uh, study Bible study yesterday was on the mysteries of God. We put them on the internet and sermon audio. I put them on there about 2, 2.30, somewhere along yesterday. And I checked it this morning, and since then, there was only nine of us at the Bible study including myself, nine at the Bible study, but there was 180 people have listened to it since 2.30 yesterday. So that gives every one of you uh, 20 apiece that you helped. If you didn't show up, you know, you kind of promoted it. If you hadn't been there, we wouldn't have had a study. So there have been 180 people around the world that has heard those three little lessons. Huh? Huh? Yeah, 189, you're right, uh, counting us. I didn't count you, but 189 people has listened to that lessons, or those three lessons we had yesterday. I broke them into three lessons because one of them is 50 minutes, the other one is 50 minutes, and the other one about 20 minutes. So there, there they are, and they, they, they jumped on it and gone with it, and I appreciate that. But studying this this morning, we want to talk about in Ephesians chapter 4, I want to talk about the walk of the Christian, the walk of the child of God, the walk of the believer, if you will. I guess you consider yourself that. I hope you can consider yourself a believer. If you're not, you're an unbeliever, and I'm going to preach to you too, so it don't really make much difference there, except I'd rather have all believers here. And uh, maybe before the service that, if you're not, you will be. Some of you have been sitting here for years, but maybe you haven't believed yet. And we're praying that God will get a hold of you. So I want to start in chapter number 4 and verse number 1. These are four, five walks that we need to walk, and I'll not get them all covered. This is like every message I preach, I just don't get through. But we'll stop at the appropriate time and go forward. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1, Paul said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye, notice these two words, walk worthy. Of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Number one, we're to walk worthy. That kind of scares me when I first see that. I don't know where it does. You're not. And I've always looked at things and people said, well, uh, and this is a little, I guess, a pet peeve that I have of, my, uh, of people saying to me. They'll say sometimes, well, preacher, you deserve that. And I said, no, I deserve nothing but to be in hell. And I believe that's what all of us have to say if we look at it. But I appreciate what God's given me. I appreciate what God has done for me. And so when I look at this, uh, some people say sometimes that, preacher, you're worthy of that. And I say, uh-uh, no, I don't consider myself too much worthy. Do you consider yourself worthy? 
I find somebody saying, hey, I'm worthy of that. I praise God and I deserve that. I mark them off right quick. They're not right with God. You don't go around boasting, bragging about things. God will put in us what He wants us to have. And I appreciate that. So walk worthy. What does it really mean to walk worthy? Well, he explains that in verse number 2. We'll look at that. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. I wish I could. I mean, this is a, this is a, a sermon if you want to look at it like that. It's a sermon in itself to looking at it. He's saying, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. See, Paul considered himself a prisoner. That's the key fact to this morning talking about what I just said. Uh, he's a prisoner. Paul never considered himself as on the loose, being able to do what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. He was kept under subjection. And the Bible said he kept his flesh. He was kept under subjection. He submitted to the Lord. And the Lord had control of it. You said, preacher, I'm a man of my own. I'm a woman of my own. I can do what I please. No, you can't. You've been bought with a price. You belong to him. I'm a prisoner of him this morning. And we're to walk worthy of him. Right? Praise God. And so we go on. And he said... Uh, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you or beg you, plead with you, ask you that you walk worthy of the vocation. Now the vocation is what you do. That's your, not, not necessarily an occupation, but a vocation that you've been called into or something that God has put you there. I, I, I don't believe to this morning that uh, preaching is a, is a choice of mine. I run from it. God called me to preach when I was in high school. I run from that. Didn't want to do it. I was done married and uh, children on the way. Uh, actually, well, right almost that way. But uh, before I answered the call. But I was in high school knew I was going to have to preach. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell nobody else. I really didn't want to. I argued with God. I thought he made a mistake. Sometimes I scratch my head and wonder now, but most of the time I realize what God done. He called me. I had to call, the heavenly call. Amen. And so here we are. We're trying our best today to do what we can in our own little inadequate ways, and God knows how to give us what we need. So he said, beseech you, beg you, plead with you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. What you're doing, he said, I want you to walk worthy in it. Now, I believe that could apply to secular world as well I'm not going to get involved in the secular world here this morning but if you were if you've got a job I believe you ought to walk worthy of that job if you've got a home you ought to walk worthy in that home right I believe you're a Christian you ought to walk worthy and by worthy it means going to show you in just a minute what it is walking worthy in other words uh, most of us think we're not even worthy to even be called a child of God. At least that's how I feel. Paul said last week, uh, he said, I'm, I'm chief. He talked about the Lord had uh, saved him by his grace. And uh, he's talked about sinners. He said, of whom I'm chief. We taught on that last Sunday morning. And uh, I noticed it done got a, uh, over 100 people listened to that in a week. And I appreciate that. So I thank God, but I look at here and it says here, verse number two, he's telling us what it means to walk worthy. 
Now he's talking about the vocation. What are we doing? What is your vocation? You may not be a preacher. Amen. You may not be uh, some leader in the church. You may not be... In, but whatever it is, it may be just a wife, a Christian lady. It may be a Christian man. It may be a daddy. It may be some official in the land. I'm just talking about your vocation. That's what you're doing. And uh, whether God's called you to that or not, that's what you're doing. And so he's trying to tell you that you need to walk worthy of that. If you're going to be the mayor of the town, you don't need to be like most of them, liars and all that stuff. You need to walk worthy. They need Whatever you're in, if you're just going to church, ladies, you don't do nothing but just raise children and uh, take care of the home and take care of the husband and take care of the things of God in your home and direct your children, direct your family, and that's all you do. That's your vocation. Understand that? Now, we're living in a day when Women don't like that. That's not well. That's that's their business. I'm not going to argue with them. I'm just going to preach to them. Amen. They don't even know what it is. A lady's not going to be happy till she's where God wants her to be. Anyhow, a man's not going to be happy till he's where he wants or needs to be for God. Anyhow, right? I'm not preaching anything foreign to the Word of God. This is right. This is real. This is a practical teaching. And so what he says is in verse number two. To walk worthy, he said, with all lowliness. Well, preacher, I don't know what in the world lowliness is. Well, I'll give you some other words that goes with it. Humility, humble, with all lowliness. That means down to the base level of your life. You're not going to walk worthy of the Lord going about bragging about how great a Christian you are. How great a deacon you are. How great a preacher you are, how good and great Sunday school teacher, how good and great mother you are, good and great daddy you are. Right? That's not walking worthy. Amen. If I ask a good Christian lady today that all she's ever done is been at home and raised her children and helped her husband became a help uh, meet, not a helpmate, but a help meet to her husband and followed after God with all uh, spiritual righteousness and followed after the word of God and obeyed her husband. Listen, if I ask her, what do you think today is your greatest thing? She wouldn't say, I'm just a great old mama. Most, great, m- most mamas will say, I love my children with all my heart and I thank God for giving me that. And I don't believe you'd want to brag about how good you are. Matter of fact, the better you are for God, the least you'll think of yourself. Now, that's just the way it works. Look, I could stay on this all morning. This is an area of church people's lives, that, and every church member needs to see what I'm preaching right now. He said, with all lowliness and second and meekness. Have you ever seen people that's not so meek? The Bible called Moses the meekest man on the face of the earth. Remember that. And the reason is he had a, over a million and a half people, not counting the men, and the, the children and the women. And brother, I'll tell you, you pastor that many, and I'll guarantee you, you'll be meek. <laughs> That's right. But he was meekest man. And uh, ladies, I want to tell you something. Children will make you meek. Ladies, husbands will make you meek. Amen. Uh, uh, men, ladies will make you meek. <laughs> 
It just goes back and forth, don't it? I don't know why I'm on the home so much this morning. I guess because the devil's attacked it so much. But I'm looking at this and I'm seeing it falling apart. He said, with all lowness and meekness. And then he's got another word in there, with long suffering. You know what long suffering is, don't you? Amen. You get, ladies, you get tired of him putting his shoes where you're tripping no more all the time and, uh, you know, throwing his clothes in the floor instead of over there in the dirty clothes basket. Fellas, you get upset because a woman don't have done things right like she, like you wanted them done. She didn't have your glass on the table when you come in. All that stuff. Amen. But no, we have to be long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? being tolerant. Amen. Uh, I wish people get long-suffering the preacher. They put up with, they don't like some of the things he says, but you have to put up with some of the things he says, especially if they come out of the Word of God. And uh, by the way, he's just the messenger. He's not God. You don't have to answer to the preacher. All you, ha- but you have to take is his word. Lowness, meekness, with long suffering, forbearing. You know what forbearing is? Is basically goes along with long suffering, just putting up with stuff. Right, uh, you know, forbearing. I tell you right now, mess with me, and I'll just give you a piece of my mind. Best thing to do is keep your mouth shut. My mother-in-law used to tell me. Uh, she said, "I tell you right now, they did this and did that to me." And she said, "I just give them a piece of my mind." And so, a little later, I, I heard that so many times, and so. A little later, a few months or something passed, and she said, I'll tell you right now, they, they do that to me, and I'll give them a piece of my mind. I said, Brother Lou, you'd be wise to change that. That's the reason you don't have much mind left. You don't give too much of it away. And that's true. But the best time, the best thing to do is be forbearing, long-suffering. You said, I just can't help it. I just got, I got this in my mama. I got this in my... It's time you change that. Let God have it. I do a lot of things that my parents and foreparents and granddaddies and grandmamas and uncles and cousins and all that have done. And I've caught myself doing it. And the Holy Spirit does not, does not say, Amen, go ahead and do it too because they did. He reminds me of the Word of God. And so I have to learn how to be forbearing. And we look at these things. Isn't that the way God works? We need to look at the things that God has given us. Now, I'm just giving you some things. He said forbearing one another in love. And that means love covereth a multitude of sins. Amen. If I love you like I'm supposed to love you, it don't mean I'll tolerate. It don't mean that I'll accept what you're doing. But it means I will tolerate what you're doing. I don't like it. You, you, you say things, do things, and I don't like that. I'm not supposed to like it if it's against the Word of God. You're not supposed to like it if I'm against the Word of God. And so what you do, you become forbearing in love. And it puts up with it. And he said in verse 3, endeavoring. That means pressing on, getting out there farther. And endeavoring just simply means to work hard at this thing. So Paul's saying here in verse number one, 
to walk worthy of the vocation. Does that make a little sense? I don't have time to stay like I'd like to on this one subject. Now, your walk just means how you pick your feet up and walk. That Your walk will control where you walk, how you walk, when you walk. Right? It controls every step you take. You remember what the Bible said? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. Thank God for that. Now, let's slip over to the next one. I, I know I didn't do justice to that, but it kind of helped, I believe. So we'll go on to verse number 17 of chapter 4. In verse 17, Paul gives us another walk. He said, this I say, and again he goes with that word, therefore, when you always see a therefore, you always look to see why it's therefore. Amen. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth, now here it is, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now you've got to remember that the church is an entity by itself. It's composed Basically, in the beginning with Jews, and then it became Jews and Gentiles. And now in the latter ends of the church now, before the coming of the Lord, it's basically controlled by the Gentiles, for the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Romans eleven twenty five that we talked about yesterday. Now, we find this morning that Paul has given them some encouraging words. He said, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Now you're going to look around in your Christian life and you're going to see some Christians that are not talking correct. You're going to go to the grocery store and they're going to be some over there talking and telling jokes. They may not be dirty, but they're jokes. And they may be dirty. And you laugh at their jokes and you're contending with them. You're in harmony with them. Those are the things that the Lord said, don't walk like the other Gentiles, and, and especially like the world. You can't walk like the people of the world that don't know God, nor can you walk with everybody that claims to be saved, because everybody that claims to be saved is either not saved or not right with God, one of the two. They're either carnal or lost. And uh, they're worldly. Some folks have never sold out. That's what's wrong with our churches all across America. That's why our, our country is going to hell. That's why it's in the crosshairs of God's judgment. That's why we're losing our freedoms. That's why we see, somebody said it's because the elite and the ungodly and the politicians. No, it starts off the pew in the church. And we've allowed all that. We put up with it. You said, oh, it's because of abortion. How in the world did America get abortion? God's people didn't speak enough against it. We didn't fight it. How come we're living in a country that's so full of alcohol and booze? Because we fought against it to some degree and we failed because we just... Did you know in the prohibition back under, we had some great men talking about getting on the water wagon and all those things and they preached some strong sermons. But finally one day they woke up one morning and quit preaching it. Why we got so much dope in America? Amen. Because most time, and I'm going to say it's something you probably won't like, and I don't really care. I'm, I'm preaching what I believe is the truth. 
because we've gone to so many doctors in the last 40, 50 years of our life and they put us put so many drugs in our body, we're just used to taking medicine. And so drugs is just a habit to most people. And so when they come out with marijuana and all that, nobody seems to worry about it no more. You think about that thing. Now, I, when I was a boy, they talked against, uh, we didn't know what LGBTQ was. We know what them funny folks were. And daddy said, stay away from the funny folks. They're in the closet. Keep them in the closet. But one day they come out of the closet. Why'd they come out of the closet? Well, we got to having cousins and uncles and brothers and sisters and all that to become a little, what they call gay, that there ain't no gaiety to it. You ever seen they call themselves gay? They can't even smile. They messed up a good words, all I can say. And now we see that. It's happened. And it's all around us. And uh, we look at this. So he says, don't walk like the other Gentiles. Just be, you, Have you ever heard this? Well, old deacon so-and-so does it. I guess I can do it too. Have you ever heard stuff like that? Sure you have. Your kids, my kids used to come on and say, you know, Daddy, how come I can't do this? And how come I, come I can't do that? And I said, because the Bible teaches against. Well, brother so-and-so in the church, his kids do it. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I'd look at them and I'd say, yeah, but they're, you're not his kids. You're, a, <laughs> amen. I, as I'd say to him, look, you're not his kids. He has to answer for it. And if he wants to defy the word of God, he's going to answer for that. But as for me and my house, as Joshua said, we're going to serve the Lord. And, uh, and, I'd, and they'd say, I, Case finished. It's over. It's kind of when the judge says, Court adjourned. It's over. But I'm saying to you this morning as I look at this, that he said, uh, as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Ladies and men, listen to me. What is that little piece of furniture? I don't know how your bathroom's laid out in your homes, and, but there's a little piece of furniture that's usually got a mirror around it somewhere, and they call it a certain thing. What is that? Vanity. Did you see what it said in the Word of God? It said, not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now, why do they call it a vanity? Have you ever wondered why they call it a vanity? Huh? You know, what we do is vain things, isn't it? And as he says it's a vanity. Uh, these, he said what these Gentiles are doing and the way they're living and the way they're walking... It's vanity. They're walking in the vanity of their minds. It's useless. Amen. Now, if you ladies could walk in there at that vanity and doctor yourself up enough to where you wouldn't have to do that in six months for again, I'd say it's probably worth your while. Sometimes you might put a little bit too much of that stuff on, and they come out and say, Lord, she looks like a tramp. 
Sometimes you'll put a little bit of that stuff on. They'll say, I don't think she put enough on. <laughs> Amen. Uh, men's not as bad as that, but they're pretty bad. I sometimes go back and look and see if I got any, what is the uh, calyx on the side of my hair? I ain't got much hair. Now, Virgil, don't you say, be thankful that you got enough to hair to have a calyx, but understand what I'm saying? Vanity of their minds. He said, don't walk like the other Gentiles do because they're walking in the vanity of their mind. They don't really catch hold of this. It's not what people do in around you that's to direct what you do. It's what the Word of God tells us. Amen. You know what the, you know what the, the Word of God... What a vanity always used has a mirror. If somebody's broken or something, you've got a, you got a mirror. Uh, wouldn't y'all have a trouble time getting to church if you didn't have a mirror at the vanity? Or didn't have a little... Have you ever seen ladies get out in the public and they open up a little mirror look at it? Now God's got that. You know what He's got? He's got a mirror. He told them to take the... Uh, to labor this, to, this, take the ladies, the, the looking glasses. What are they supposed to do? They're to take the looking glasses. They look at themselves and see how they are. And, and that's what we ought to do. But God's got that. God wants us to look to see if we're where we need to be. And in James, he calls it uh, the Word of God. We look into the law, perfect law of liberty to see where we are right or wrong, right? And we're to take the Word of God and that's our looking glass. Every time we read the Bible, we're not to read it to see how many verses we can read, how many chapters we can uh, get under the belt, or how much that we can uh, tell somebody else that we, how many times we've read the Bible. I know a lot of people's doing that. Amen. I've read the Bible through five times this year. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Don't look like it's done much for you. Still bragging. Amen. When you're going to get to the place that it's going to humble you. It hadn't done it yet. And uh, I hear people do it. And I say, oh, what's it done for you? But I read the Word of God, and I, I believe in reading it straight through. I believe in reading it portions. I believe in reading it book by book, uh, chapter by chapter, sometimes verse by verse. I'm in just one, one or two chapters. I'm in the subject study here of walk today, but here we are. We're seeing that. Not walk in the vanity, which is foolish. What did Solomon say when he went out and looked at everything that God had done for him? He said, look at this. I've done this and done this. and that. He said, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. How many of you ever seen laying on the deathbed said, bring me my mirror and my mascara and my hairspray? I've got to... I've got to, they forget about what they look like when they get ready to leave. And you will too. Oh, we're going somewhere. Amen. God knows us from our heart. Well, let's go to another one. I won't have time but get one more. Maybe. And, but there's five of them. I'll give them all five to you. Chapter five. We go to the next chapter. Chapter four. Then we're going to chapter five. And let's look at verse 1. Be ye therefore. There's that therefore again. Paul comes up with it in one of these. Now he said, 
Followers of God as dear children. How are you going to be followers of God? He said, and walk in love. If you're not walking in love this morning, you're not a follower of God. Now, I got that plain. I didn't have to dissect the Word of God. Didn't have to change it, add to it, and take away from it. He said, and walk in love as who? Christ. Anybody know who Christ is? Right? Come on. Anybody know who Christ Oh, amen. That scared me there for a moment. Right? God, I'm going to church today to preach on the Lord, on the Lord Jesus Christ. And nobody knowed him. Amen. I thought, I better get to praying a little stronger. He said, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Every one of these, he tells us what we not to do, not only what we are to do. So we see the first one is that we are to walk worthy of our vocation. Two, we are to walk not as the other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And three, now, to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. And that means we're to love. We walk into love. We walk in the love of God. Now, I want to tell you something. There's nobody in this building that can explain to me what the love of God really is. I can tell you a portion of what it is. I can tell you what part I've experienced of the love of God. Nobody has ever cared for me. Remember the song? Nobody, no, uh, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. Nobody. Nobody. I've had good friends, family. I've got loved ones that tell me constantly and continually that they love me. But every time I breathe, God's telling me He's loving me. You don't do that. You can't. You don't know the love of God like Christ does. I, I'm in Him. He's in me. He loves me. He lets me know it. But He tells us that we're to walk in love. Amen. When you walk in love, brother, it's good to be around somebody that's kind of walking in love. I don't always walk in love. You said, preacher, I do. Amen. I doubt it. I'll ask your wife or your husband or your best friend. You don't always walk in love. You may walk more in love than some others do. You may be more loving than others, but you're not 100%. Flesh pops out like a, uh, a pimple. I mean, you're loving God and all of a sudden there's a pimple in your flesh. And I'm talking about it don't love. Now, that's just an illustration. Look at verse 3. If you walk in love, here's going to tell you some things that you won't do. He says, but fornication and all uncleanness are covetous. Let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Fornication. You'll leave that alone. Uncleanness of any kind, ever kind. You'll leave that alone. And covetousness, which means coveting what others are God. That's three big strong sins. Now, in verse number four, neither filthiness, see, nor foolish talking, or nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather given of things. And he goes on to tell you down a little more for this, you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an uh, idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Do you see what it means here? Uh, to walk in love? 
You see it? Carries a big, strong set of rules, don't it? Now that's the third walk. Now the fourth walk, and I'll give you the next two right quickly, and then I'll close because time's caught me. It said in verse number 8 of chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Now he says, walk as children of the light. And then he tells you how to do that in verse 9, 10, and 11. And then we go on down, we see it again. And he says in verse 15, he puts it just a little stronger. And he says, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And he gives you the reasons behind that. But that walking circumspectly is kind of like a cat. You ever seen old tomcat or something walking on a fence? Amen. Uh, walking on a fence board across the top of the fence and uh, two big old, a big bulldog on one side and a big old German shepherd on the other. He's high enough that the dogs can't reach him and can't get him. But he's taking them paws and going. That's what you call walking circumspectly. You fall to one side, the bulldog's got you. Fall to the other side, and uh, the German shepherd's got you. So God says that you're to walk circumspectly in this present world. And we're to be careful that the devil, he's, he's standing on both sides with all his little cohorts, amen, his little demons on there, and he's waiting for us to fall off the fence. And that cat knows just one little slip. He can't back up too good like that. He's got to press on. So he puts the foot down, makes sure it's on solid footing. And then he puts his weight on and he goes again. He don't run across. You ever seen squirrels amaze me? You can come through the road. Sometimes they're running across the power lines right in front of you. They're running. But you find a lot of them on the ground. Somebody's done run over them. They got in too big a hurry on too little of a wire. And you do the same thing. God bless you. God help you. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning. Touch our heart. Touch our life. Help us to stand in the gap. Make up the hedge. May the cause of Christ be accomplished. Touch the remainder of the service this morning for the Lord's glory. And I pray that your will might be done. We'll give you the praise for it all. Touch us in the remainder of our service. That it might be to please you. Bring glory to you and not ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.